Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 327. Classics are a form of art. Absolutely, they're definitely an investment, but it's the driving experience. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Dave Horde. Dave, are you buckled up and ready for a fun tour, I should say? Uh, the five-point harness is ready, and I got my hearing protection on. Let's go. All right. I brought the loud car today. Dave Horde is the co-founder of Classic Car Adventures in Squamish, British Columbia, that he started in 2008. He hosts three-day budget-oriented events for classic car enthusiasts with a focus on the joy of driving. Classic Car Adventures hosts a number of venues in British Columbia, Washington, Oregon, Colorado, and Ontario, Canada. Whether it's a rally, a tour, a media event, or a corporate team building challenge, Dave runs his events with the precision and attention to detail that you would expect from a well-tuned machine. Dave, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little more about your business and, of course, your passion for automobiles and driving? Absolutely. So I started in the automotive industry fresh out of school, uh, designing exhaust systems and racing parts for a company in Toronto. Thought it was the absolute greatest thing in the world because I was working with cars every day. But I started visiting the West Coast for mountain biking and fell in love with the mountains and I had to move. Once out here, I got up into Whistler and um, there aren't a lot of automotive jobs in the, the mountains. So I started working tourism and ended up working groups and special events and found a real passion for running events where people get to to come and experience, whether it's an activity or or something unique that is different from their every day to day. About the same time, uh, with the sunny weather we get out here in the mountains and the twisty roads, I bought a classic Volkswagen once again. And I thought, you know, this is good fun. And my buddy and I, we started planning a weekend of mountain driving together and we realized that, you know, it was going to be so much fun, the two of us. Wouldn't this be a lot more fun with other people? And we oh, thought, you yeah. know what? <laughs> we just started inviting people from car clubs and, you know, we created classic car adventures from this idea that driving around on twisty mountain roads would be a whole lot of fun. Wouldn't it be a lot more fun with other people? And that is sort of the, the basis of what I do and where it comes from. It, life is more fun with friends around you. <laughs> you know. I love this in so many ways because it fits the mantra around here at Cars, yeah. The fact that you took something you were passionate about, combined it with a profession, and created an entrepreneurial adventure. And I've been fortunate enough to drive up around there. One of your fellow guests here on Cars, yeah, Henry Reisner, who you and I both know from Intermechanica, he's put some tours on up in that area that I've been so fortunate to uh, join in. He let me drive one of his cars once, and I brought some of my old Porsches up and done that. But uh, you live in a beautiful part of the country, but you also do this in other cities as well, right? Indeed. So once uh, British Columbia was uh, running on an annual basis, and we've been doing that event for seven years, my passion for roads and my passion for finding the best places to drive grew the events. And Washington, Oregon was a natural progression because it's you know close and right next to home. Uh, but Colorado is one of my new favorites. I was in Colorado for a trip with BF Goodrich Tires and fell in love with the roads instantly. Within five minutes, I knew I had to come back and start running events here. Uh, so we ran our first Colorado event in the spring and met uh, 
about uh, 25 cars, 50 people of my new classic car friends in Colorado. And we had a blast. <laughs> and then we're also returning to Ontario, Canada, where I originally grew up. Uh, we get to rip around on the roads that uh, I grew, I drove as a teenager, and that'll be my September. All right. Well, sounds like so much fun. The roads in those parts of the world are fantastic as well, and I kind of see a future as you grow of running events all over the place. I think it's great. But as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's some kind of a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah, so Dave, take the wheel. So I got my start with groups. Actually, I worked at a summer camp on the program team, and I can remember being 16 years old, and every time you walked out of that office, right above the door was a quote, and I have no idea whose it was, but it said, the world does not run perfectly. We create the illusion that it does. (laughs) I love that. And that is, to me, that's how you run events. Um, if you come and join us on a Classic Car Adventures event, or if you've ever run an event yourself, you know that nothing runs perfectly. You arrive at a hotel, and the hotel has misspelled somebody's name, and they think they're, the room's not booked, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The key is, is my guests, my clients, the people who are on the tour, they need to feel like I have everything so under control that when those disasters happen, they don't see them. The world runs perfectly. Not quite, but I'm going to create the illusion that it does. (laughs) That definitely comes from your experience with uh, the entertainment world, I guess. Or not the entertainment world. You said you're in the the world of uh, events and hosting events and things like that. And it is so important to have somebody that is giving that illusion. I love that. It's great. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? Tell me about that pivotal moment as you remember it when you really knew you were a car guy. So, you know, that's, <laughs> you had mentioned uh, when we talked br- briefly beforehand that that was one of the questions you're going to ask. And it's so hard for me. Growing up, my dad always had a project car in the garage. So typically it was a Volkswagen Beetle, although he did, uh, there was a t- Triumph TR6 in the garage for a while and uh, a Triumph oh. TR7. Uh-huh. Um, my mom drove a 75 Volkswagen Beetle when I was super young, about five years old. And I can remember the joy of getting the front passenger seat because you were the one who got to scrape the frost off the inside of the windshield (laughs) in the winter. My uncle had a a Mustang project he still owns. My other uncle was into Triumphs and British cars. I'm told my great-grandfather owned a garage in Toronto back when there was only four cars in the entire city. Wow. I kind of think it's in my blood. And the problem is, is I can't think of um, my earliest memories have cars in them. i Honestly, I think I've always been a car guy. <laughs> it sounds like it. You know, you're talking about that bug. My wife, Jill, lived in uh, Utah when she was little, and her mother, they had five kids, used to drive a VW bug, and all the kids wouldn't fit. So my wife was one of the youngest ones, and she'd have to sit in that little shelf in the back, behind the back seat. Remember that little area back there? <laughs> that was my favorite thing to do in the summer was we used to drive the five kilometers along the gravel road to the general store. And even if it was just dad driving the Beetle, my sister and I, we were underneath the rear window in the in the luggage compartment. Yeah, yeah. Great fun. Great fun. I like that comment about scraping the ice off the inside of the windshield. <laughs> yeah, it's that little hamster cage. That little hamster was huffing and puffing to try to keep his hot breath on that window. It never quite worked very well, did it? No, and it still doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I know. I had I had a Carmen Ghia when I was in high school, but I lived in Southern California and never got very cold there, so uh, different environment. 
What I'd love to do now, Dave, is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and ask you to share with me a huge challenge or even better, a, a big failure that you face in your career along the way. But the most important part of this has to do with how you overcame that and what it taught you. Um, I have a pretty positive outlook on life. And it's funny because I, when I look back on challenges and struggles that I've had, for the most part, they seem to become great adventure stories. Mm. Um, so, you know, that time where you, I blew up a motor on a spring thaw and the on the third day of the event. Now I look back at it and even the guests who are on it laugh and we think it was a great story. Um, <laughs> but it's the moment of, it's when it's happening, when it's going on, that's the moment of true struggle where um, it is not yet an adventure. It is a horrific story happening in your life. And so I think I'll pull the most recent one out of my bag. Okay. Uh, which actually was on our Haggerty Silver Summit, our first year Colorado event. Mm -hmm. And it's important to understand that this is the first year we've ever operated in Colorado. So all of the guests on the tour were fresh, not people that I knew. It was the first day of the event. So they haven't even had a chance to kind of get to know me a little bit and know that I kind of roll with the punches as things occur around me. Mm -hmm. And so we had started off the day quite well. It was a pretty good in Denver, but um, sh about an hour outside of Estes Park as we're going up over a mountain pass in our classic cars, we touched a, a little bit of snow. That's horrific in itself on a classic car event. Uh, so you can imagine as the organizer of a first year event, I'm thinking we're coming down into lunch in Estes Park. Everyone's just seen snow in their classic cars. I am a dead man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's about six miles down into Estes Park, this sweeping downhill uh, road and I come into the first corner. I'm thinking about how I'm going to position the lunch, you know, the snow. I touch my foot to the brakes. I start adding pressure and snap the brake pedal hits the firewall. Oh my goodness. So Volkswagens have a little pin that holds the uh, brake master cylinder and that pin is spot welded in and the spot weld broke and I had zero brakes going down the hill. I did have my e-brake and uh, I, I learned that it will stop a Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah, you pull <laughs> real hard. <laughs> uh, well, it's a hydraulic handbrake and a race Beetle, so it does work oh, a little. Oh, okay. But so now I'm rolling down into Estes Park with no brakes. We've just seen snow and I cannot continue the event with the car as it is. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, that's unsafe. Uh, so my co-driver at the time, Andrew, our classic car adventures photographer, he and I quickly discussed it. We caught up with the sweep truck. Andrew jumps in the sweep truck. He's going to continue the event, host the dinner for me if he has to. He's going to do whatever needs to be done while I try and figure out how I'm going to fix a Volkswagen in the middle of nowhere. Mm. I know no one. I've got no contacts. So I had to find, I found a guy with a welder, managed to convince him to let me borrow his welder in a shop and hammered out a piece of metal and welded it all together and made it work and then raced off to catch up with the group. But it's that, that four hours between the brake pedal hitting the firewall and me seeing the taillights of the group yeah. as we're pulling into the hotel, oh, that's <laughs> the deepest pit in your stomach. Yep. But I spent the entire four hours reminding myself that, you know, like I said, the world doesn't run perfectly. Create the illusion that it does. Like this is the greatest adventure story you have. Yeah. And that's what, like, I walked into dinner. Nobody expected me to be there because they already knew the story that the, the brakes had broken. And I got to meet all of our Colorado guests with the greatest adventure story ever. Yeah. That had literally happened hours before. <laughs> oh, I love it. Turning lemonade from lemons. Fantastic. 
Yeah, great story, great dinner story, and great inspiration for those people to know, you know what, if something does happen, and it will, there's always a way around it or out of it. So, <laughs> Well, and I think that the real credit actually goes to Andrew for keeping me calm and collected and, and help, you know, just jumping into the organizer role as needed. But I suppose that's my real secret is in life, you always need to have a co-driver you can trust. Yes, surround yourself with great people. Great lesson for everybody, especially entrepreneurs. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those career aha moments. I like to say it's a time when the headlights come on and illuminate your way for that new idea, that new direction that you had. And tell us the steps that you took to turn your aha moment into your success. Uh, so that would be 2009. Uh, that would be the first uh, Spring Thaw event that we, so the first ever Classic Car Adventures event, the Spring Thaw. And my business partner at the time, Warwick and I, we had figured if we could get 15 cars signed up for this crazy road adventure, that would be a great way to start. 15 cars, you can take photos, you can mix the cars up, take more photos, and we could really sell it for year two. Because to that point, we were selling a concept, had no photos, no, just a, here's what I think this is going to be. Right. And so we figured 15 cars, we can then sell year two and really make something of it. And we had always thought of it as a hobby business on, a, on the side, you know, 20, 30 cars going around the back roads of BC would be great fun on an annual basis. Mm -hmm. We had 45 cars sign up that first year. Oh my goodness. Wow. And as I'm watching the entry list grow, that was the, the aha moment. The, we have really hit on something. This is something people want to do. Yeah. And if 45 people in the first year on a loosey-goosey concept of what it's going to be like signed up, uh, we knew year two would be big. And the Spring Thaw has been sold out uh, between 60 and 80 cars every year for the next six years. Wow. Um, and so it was that first year of 2009, that 45 cars that I went, okay, this is something I need to do. And it's been a seven year process to get it strong enough to the point that I can, uh, you know, make it my full-time career. Sure. But that's the goal is, you know, classic car adventures is my full-time career now, which is just, it's hilarious and exciting at the same time. Ah, oh, it's a dream come true. And again, it's a classic piece of adventure here for Cars yeah listeners, those entrepreneurs, those people who want to figure out a way to wrap their vocation into their passion for cars. You figured it out, Dave. You did it. It takes time. It takes a lot of work, guys, but you can do it too. Fantastic. I love that story. How about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many with all these adventures you've done, but is there one in particular you can share with us today? That one proudest moment happens at every single event, and it's when I'm standing in front of the group for the first time about to do the first driver's meeting. There's a moment where I've welcomed everyone. We've kind of had that first clap cheer that everyone's arrived at the event, and there's a moment where I pause and I appear to be reading my notes in, in front of me so I can start the driver's meeting. The real truth is that's the moment I'm soaking it all in because my proudest moment is looking out at that crowd of people and going, whoa. We did this. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I got goosebumps when you were talking about that because I've hosted events and done many events in different capacities throughout the, my life. And you're right, that moment where everything, all that work comes together to fruition and you're standing there going, wow, here we go. It is a really great feeling moment. And and the truth is, is for me, it's, it's kind of the release. Um, it's the moment I start on vacation because... 
And I know that sounds terrible to say on the morning of the, of the first day of the event. Um, <laughs> but you've done all the planning and you've done everything you can control. Yeah. And now the event has started. There's going to be so many things I can't control. Cars breaking down, whether the guests are fun to hang out with, whether they aren't fun to hang with, out with, all the things I can't control. Sure. So that's the moment where the event really becomes its own and it runs as itself. Now I'm still there hosting and I'm still working, but unlike other events where the organizers zip ahead and greet you at the hotel or uh, you know they're standing there when you check in for dinner, we run in the event as a participant. So you might see me at the front of the crowd sometimes of the day. You might see me at the back of the crowd sometimes of the day. You might arrive at the hotel two hours before I do. But the next day, you and I might get to spend half an hour, 45 minutes driving those twisty roads together. So it's, it's different than the way other people do things. So the, the driver's meeting starts. Mm -hmm. my, my role as the, the organizer ends somewhat, and I begin as a fellow participant with the people who have joined on. Oh, what fun. Very cool. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special vehicle? And if you could share a memory you have with that car, truck, bike, whatever it might have been. Uh, there is only one possible vehicle I can tell you about, and that is my 1975 Volkswagen Beetle. Cool. My mom stopped going to school when she had kids and uh, returned when I was about five years old. And it was the summer when I was four, my dad bought the 75 Beetle. He restored it at the cottage. And I chose the paint color. I don't remember choosing the paint color, but I chose a blue. Um, <laughs> that's the car that I sat in the front seat in, scraping the window as a kid as mom drove it to university and drove us around. Cool. When she was upgraded to something with heat, it moved to the cottage. And at 13, I learned how to drive standard on it. And when my parents weren't at the cottage, my grandfather used to let me go and take it out, even though I was well below having a legal license. When I was 18, I convinced my dad to let me license the car for the summer and drive it. And it had a brand new set of bias ply tires purchased in the 80s, even though this was the 90s. Oh. <laughs> and over the course of two months on one of the roads that we're going to use in the Haggerty Maple Melee, I burnt those bias ply tires right down to the courts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll happen with old tires. When I moved out west, I didn't bring the car with me because it's expensive to ship a car across country, and eventually I did, and I still have it, but it sits in storage awaiting restoration because the sad truth is, living on the west coast, we can buy so many rust-free cars, yep. and I open up my storage unit every time, and I'm like, oh, I wouldn't buy this if I, if I you know. <laughs> the big dilemma, yeah. And now the worst part is I'm going to hang up with you and I'm going to have to go to my storage unit and go say hi to my little buddy. Yeah, well, hang in there, <laughs> your little buddy. Uh, you can bring them back. You can bring them back. But I understand. What fun. Is there a vehicle that you've sold, you've let go, that you really wish you had back in the garage? You're, you still have that, that one special one, but is there another one? Well, I've owned, I was doing the count and I've owned over 45 cars. And most oh, my of goodness. Them, yeah, most of them have been budget purchases. And pretty crap. It's only in the last probably about three or four years I've started buying really quality cars. Mm -hmm. I know my roommates, my housemates, certainly my business partner, all of them, all of them, they've really regretted a lot of my vehicle purchases, but I never. <laughs> <laughs> I do regret selling my Porsche 944. Mm. Not that particular 944. It was, again, a piece of crap, but I miss having that Porsche quality automobile. I, I, I miss the drive and the feel that I had with it. Sure. The car I regret most, though, is a Opel Manta Rally. Oh, wow. 
believe it was in 1974, it was for sale in Washington. And I went down to go and look at it. The asking price was, let's say it was $3,250. I don't remember. It was $3,000 and something. Mm -hmm. And I knew I had a total of $2,700 to my name. Like, I could buy the car. I couldn't figure out how to put gas in it to bring it home if I spent the whole twenty. <laughs> And I went down and looked at this thing, and I kid you not, it was perfect. Uh, it had one rust hole in the battery tray, and it was orange with the black hood, and it was not a $3,000 car. It was easily, at the time, a six dollars or $7,000 car. Wow. And by not including the bumpers and the springs and the various spare parts he had, I got him down to $2,750. <laughs> and it is the only time in my life I have made the responsible decision to say I'm not going to buy it because it's not the price I said I would spend. Yeah. And I walked away from it and I have regretted it ever since. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Well, there's a lesson learned, good and bad, I guess. Yeah. Kids out there don't buy what you can't afford. But you know what? If you don't, you may end up like Dave, always well, regretting it. <laughs> so I, a friend of mine bought me a 148 scale uh, Opal Manta Rally. It's orange with the black hood and it sits on my bookshelf. And every time I decide I'm going to buy a new car, I, I take it with me to remind me. There you go. I love that story. Awesome. Great, great tale. How about current projects? You guys are doing new adventures all the time, new events, new tours, rallies, drives. Is there a project you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Uh, well, there's two. I just returned. I literally landed on my plane from my plane yesterday from driving and exploring all of the roads in Ontario for the Haggerty Maple Melee. Now, let me stop you right there, okay? I want you guys listening to grasp this. His job was to go out and explore roads and drive on these roads to prepare for the real work involved. What a lucky guy you are. So the actual event will be about 700 miles, 1,200 kilometers. But in order to find the perfect mix of roads, I drove about 3,000 kilometers uh, wow. over a four-day period and mapped out every single one of those with route instructions. And it was really exciting. Those are the roads that I grew up on as a teenager driving. Mm -hmm. Those are the roads that I haven't been on in 10 years. So to be able to go through and see how they've changed and... But also remember, uh, there's one particular road where there's three sets of corners and they mark them 40 kilometers an hour, 30 kilometers an hour, 20 kilometers an hour. <laughs> and you go through the 40 kilometer hour at twice as fast. And you're like, why did they mark that? That's silly. You go through the 30 kilometer an hour twice as fast. And you think, oh, okay, yeah, that should have been a little slower, but it's still ridiculous. You come into the 20 kilometer an hour thinking, well, I'm going through at 40. The other ones were ridiculous. And it really is a 20 kilometer an hour. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> and I remembered it in my head from my youth and I still, you know, coming into the corner, oh, that's too hot. But, yeah. So, I mean, that event from a business perspective, that's the one I'm most excited about. It's a chance to go back and, and kind of introduce people to where I started, even though it may be, you know, guests who live there, not BC people that are, are joining the event, it's still a chance to go, hey, what I do came from here. Yeah. And then personally, I've got yet another Volkswagen Beetle project. So I have a, <laughs> uh, I've got my 71 rally car, which is a full blown uh, tribute to the factory rally cars from the 70s. And now I want a more of a track Beetle, uh, something designed for, you know, pavement. And it's, the idea is to put as, not as much Porsche, but to basically take if, if Porsche said we're going to make a car with the body of a Volkswagen Beetle, that's the concept. Oh, wow. Uh, 
I literally, to date, I own a set of brakes, which are ridiculous AP racing brakes. The rotors are larger than the wheels on my rally bug. <laughs> and uh, I own the engine for it. And, you know, the rest of the project is still being worked on. Very cool. Can't wait to see that come together. That sounds awesome. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Dave. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Oh, we're going to talk a lot about Beatles, aren't we? <laughs> I, 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 I'm kind of getting a trend here, yeah. So when you sit back in life, and um, so I'm unmarried, I don't have a family, and I know for most people when they sit back, if you were to ask them what the most important thing in their life is, they would answer them, their family. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's really my friends. My closest friends are the thing that are most important to me. They're the thing I, they're the people that I put first. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, I'm that guy you can call at any time for help or, you know, the first guy when life goes wrong who's there. <laughs> and honestly, as embarrassing as it is to say, if I had to pick a particular car, I am probably Herbie <laughs> in, in the way his relationship is with Jim Douglas in the first movie. You know, yeah. that car, that best friend that even though you don't know he's, you know, necessarily your best friend, you turn around and he's right there. That's that's me. <laughs> Yeah, I love that answer, and that's why I love that question so much. You are the first Herbie the Love Bug. I I think that's pretty cool. I was just down at the Forest Grove Concours event a couple weeks ago in Oregon, and somebody had brought a Herbie lookalike. It might have even been one of the cars they used in the movie. I'm not sure, but uh, it's so fun. Everybody's drawn to that. You know, that car's sitting there, and there's all these other amazing vehicles around it, but the kids, the adults, everyone's standing in front of Herbie taking a picture, so... Dave is Herbie the Love Bug. Awesome. I like that. (laughs) So Dave up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. All right, Dave, we're entering the last lap, and this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some real quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Yep. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? From my dad, save your money. From the voice in my head, buy it. (laughs) Uh, Both have been equally important. (laughs) Yep, yep, I understand. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? Even on our spring thaw, which can have 160 guests uh, sitting at dinner, I make it my goal to try and spend quality time with each and every one of them at the event. Mm. I don't look at my guests as clients or even potential repeat business. I look at them as potentially great friends down the road. Wonderful. I think we've lost that 
when you walk into the hardware store and the owner knows your name. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we at Classic Car Adventures try and go back to classic cars and driving like it used to be in the 60s, we need to go back to that level of service where the owner knows your name. You know, I think it's really important. You hit on a really golden nugget there. And I've seen that with more and more small businesses these days, the focus on building a relationship with your audience, with your customer, with whoever it is you're serving or providing a product to is so, so important. And those companies that have figured that out are the ones that uh, I think will move forward in a positive manner and continue to build on. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy that you could share with us? Yeah, they probably have one in the glove box or in a drawer somewhere they can dust off, but that would be the uh, the lowly map book. <laughs> <laughs> Do they still have those? <laughs> they still have those. Yeah. Um, you know, in our lifestyle today, we always plan the most direct route. Google Maps, GPS, and your cell phone don't allow you to look at the big picture. It's, I want to go from point A to point B, and we just wait for the instructions to tell us. Yeah. I open a map book, and yeah, I can drive that interstate for 30 minutes, or look at that really wiggly road next to it. Mm-hmm. It might take me a little longer, but the honest truth is, do I really have to get to Costco in the next 20 minutes, or can I take 40 Yeah, yeah. Great advice. My wife, Jill, has this. She's an engineer. She has this engineering mind, and she cannot go anywhere without actually getting a physical map. She goes, I know. We have this GPS. We have all this stuff. I want to see. I want to see what's around me. I want to see where I'm going. And I mentioned the Forest Grove Concours I went to a few weeks ago. Yeah, I could have buzzed all the way down I-5 to Portland, turned right, and headed over there. But I cut off. And took a different route I'd never been on, drove through some areas I've never been on. Yeah, it took me another hour to get there, but you know what? It was pretty darn fun. Great advice. Map books. Yeah, who'd have thunk? (laughs) (laughs) Would you share a book with our listeners that you think they would really enjoy reading? So the book is actually a series of books. They're called The Speed Secrets by Ross Bentley. Yeah, Ross has been a guest here on Cars, yeah. Wonderful. I coached mountain biking, snowboarding, and skiing for a number of years. And Ross's books are the first ones to use the techniques that have been successfully used in other sports for decades and decades. Mm -hmm. And even if you're not a racer, even if you're just an automotive enthusiast, the books and the way he goes around things and the thought process will make you a better driver, even on the regular highways. But It's really getting in and beyond, and it's so much more than the car you're driving. It really starts with the idiot behind the wheel. (laughs) You're so right, and we'll throw another shout-out to Ross here because when I started vintage racing, somebody gave me one of his first books, Speed Secrets, and it was so helpful, and I'm a subscriber. I get his email email list. I'm on his email list, rather, that he sends out, and I get those Speed Secrets, and even though I'm not racing today, Uh, I find little tidbits in there that are really valuable. So, uh, yeah, great guy, great reference. I appreciate that. And and listeners, you'll find all these great resources that Dave has shared with us at CarsYad.com. There's even a special area, Guest Recommended Books, that you can go to. You can find this book and all the rest of the 327 other guests that have been on the show. Just click on the links. It'll take you right to a place you can buy those. Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? Um, Well, I've mentioned I'm a mountain biker, and that's why I moved out west. Um, I also love skiing, and I've skied since I was three years old. Um, And then recently, I actually picked up flying RC airplanes. Uh, Ah, fun. One of those things as a kid I always wanted to do, but you know, it's quite expensive to crash planes. And Uh. now as an adult, (laughs) I've found that I can actually afford to crash planes occasionally. (laughs) Have a little bit of fun with it. Some of those RC planes these days are just absolutely amazing. I've watched some 
videos on YouTube that I go, holy cow. So realistic, so much fun. Yeah, looks great. And a lot less expensive than a real airplane, too, and safer. <laughs> well, and it's, you know, it's something I can go out from 45 minutes to an hour. It is so different from everything else I do in life that I can go have a quick break and then I can come back and do whatever I'm doing. So it's great fun. Well, and it clears your mind. You've got to be so focused while you're doing that. It's kind of like being on a racetrack or riding a motorcycle. You can't think about other things. You've got to really be focused and, and uh, keep your eyes on what you're doing. All right, Dave, we're up to the last question here, the checkered flag, as I call it. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one, why am I even asking this? I already know what the answer is going to be. But, 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 you know, sometimes I get surprised, so I'll ask it anyway. If you could only have one collector car in your garage and money is no object, I'll write the check today. What would that one vehicle be and why? You know, I would love to be able to tell you that I want a Porsche 904. I would love to be able to tell you that I want a Ford, uh, an original GT. Uh I would absolutely love a Daytona Coupe. Those three cars are dream cars of mine that I would 100% absolutely put in my garage. Yeah. The problem is I have that 75 Beetle sitting over in my storage unit that I've had since I was four years old. Oh, goodness. And it's the family heirloom. It's like my little buddy. You know, you could write me a check for whatever you want, and I'd still have to put that darn thing in my garage. (laughs) Well, maybe what I'll do for you today, then, is you can pick the restoration shop of your choice. I've had many builders and restorers on this show. Maybe we send it back east to Paul Russell, where they're doing, you know, Ralph Lorenz cars, and they could do a full restoration for you on that vehicle. Uh, so at least you get something out of this offer I'm providing you with today. Well, if it is the only vehicle I'm allowed to have in my garage, I will take the budget because the truth is I would never be happy with just one Volkswagen Beetle. So it would have to spend some time as a rally car, and then we're going to have to restore and rebuild it. It's going to have to spend some time as, you know, that new track racing monster I want. Yep. And then we're going to have to rebuild and restore it. And then it will have to spend some time as a stock restoration. So oh my maybe gosh. it's one car, but I spend a, the equivalent budget on it over a few years. Yeah, you're going to cost me a big check today i think <laughs> but that's a unique one i like that very much I, I love it the fact that you're going back to your roots very cool dave you had taken me on a great ride today i've really enjoyed your stories and i want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey your tour literally in this respect of what you do for a living with the cars yeah listeners and with me could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down the road in that volkswagen bug absolutely i think there are some great modern cars out there, but my my business and my lifestyle revolves around classic cars. And I think the one thing we really forget, I mean, classics are a form of art. Absolutely, they're definitely an investment, but it's the driving experience that really attracted us to classics initially. Mm-hmm. Whether you grew up when they were the everyday cars that you got to drive or whether you're experiencing them for the first time, it really is the driving experience. And so sort of my my parting words is get out and drive it. It's all about the experience of being on the open road. And I just, I mean, my whole, my whole business is about getting people to, to go out and do that more often. I've heard that from so many of my guests. Enjoy your vehicles. Get out and drive your cars because you know what? Otherwise, you're just saving it for the next guy. And, Absolutely. Uh, if it happens to be Dave or me, that's fine. Go ahead and save it for us. But uh, otherwise, get out there and have some fun. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business? 
If they were to head to www.classiccaradventures.com, um, we've got a lot of information on our websites uh, focused around our events, but you know, there's some useful things like preparing your car for a first event and that sort of thing. There's a little bit of a blog with some stories and stuff, and then from there you can also find links to my personal Instagram, the Classic Car Adventures Instagram, and, um, and that sort of stuff, where we do like to have some fun, and you can see more about our day-to-day adventures. Fantastic. I've been on his site. Listeners, uh, go there. It's great. There's some really cool pictures of the adventures and the tours and the rallies that he's been on with some really great cars. And you'll find this link and everything we've talked about today at carsyad.com slash Dave Horde. Just put Dave in the search box and his show notes page will pop right up. Dave, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Mark, thanks so much. It's been uh, an absolute pleasure. This has been a blast. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.